Let's pray together this morning. Amen, God, you are good. You are good. And God, the way your goodness chases after us, no matter where we go, no matter what we are drawn toward, no matter how we fail and fall away, God, your goodness chases after us. Your love pursues us. You, your spirit, pursue us, God. You want to restore us. You want to forgive us. You want to draw us back into the relationship we were created for. God, you are good. We love you and we trust you. And Father, even if we don't, we pray that you would help us to. God, you are good and you are here with us. And as we turn to your word this morning, we pray that you would speak. God, we want to see you a little more close, clearly. God, we want to love you a little more deeply. We want to follow you a little more closely so that we can share you a little more fully. Speak to us now this morning, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, worship team, for leading us to that amazing place this morning. God is good. God is good. All the time. And it was an amazing celebration that we had last weekend. It was just Easter weekend. Last weekend we walked through Good Friday and Easter Sunday together. And I mean truly we celebrate the resurrection every single week, every time we get together. That's why we do all of this. But it is always special on Easter weekend walking through that story, the darkness of Good Friday, intentionally spending some time there, considering the cost of our sin, meditating on what we've lost, the relationship that we've broken. And as we said then, not focusing on guilt and shame, but on the depth of our need, on how lost we truly are, that the cost would be so high. And then the incredible grace and love of our God to rescue us and the incredible celebration that is Easter Sunday that Jesus is alive. He has won. Sin and death are defeated and we are free. What an incredible story. What an amazing God and what a gift it is to be able to follow Him. To share in that experience of knowing Him together. God is good and it is good to be with Him. Since the new year we've been digging into this story of the gospel. What it means, what it is, what it looks like. And how it's meant to change our lives. And we've been walking through the book of John specifically as we've been studying this. Looking at Jesus. His life. His ministry. His miracles and his teachings. The things that he said and did. The things and the people that he cared about. Because he is the gospel. His life, his death, his resurrection. And so... We need to understand Him in order to understand the gospel. And it's been a really incredible journey over these last number of months. Jesus is the most fascinating and incredible person that has ever lived. Everything He said, everything He did is just so filled with depth 
and meaning, and we need to be spending time with Him personally, intentionally, deeply. Because He has so much to reveal to you about Himself, about who He is, and then who you are in Him. So you need to be digging into His Word, spending time with Him in prayer, walking with Him in every moment of every day because He is real. And by His Spirit, He is here. And the life He has for you, it's worth pursuing. But this week we're coming to the end of this journey the end of the book of John and the end of this study of the gospel. And again, it's what we study every week, but this series is going to be closing today. And it's a really quite a fascinating place to end because once again, Jesus reveals something really important and incredible to us about forgiveness and about purpose about truly embracing this new life that He is offering to us. As I said before, we celebrate the resurrection every Sunday, and really everything we talk about is the gospel. It's all God's grace revealed and offered to us. But as we come to the end of this series, turn with me to John chapter 21, the end of this book, John's last words and memories of Jesus, and they are exciting. And this morning we're going to be starting in verse 15, and we're going to be looking at what God has for us this week. And again, Jesus has just risen from the grave, and He's revealed Himself to Mary and then to His disciples. He surprised them in that locked room as they sat in fear for their very lives, hiding from the authorities that were surely coming to get them. And we have this incredible moment with Thomas as Jesus reveals himself to him, even in his doubt and his questions. And Thomas is overcome and he cries out, my Lord and my God. And then it appears that Jesus kind of comes and goes from his followers. He visits other places and visits other people. In the other gospel accounts, we have stories of him meeting with uh, these travelers on the road and revealing his presence to other people and eating with them. And so we don't know how many days or weeks have passed until we come to this passage, these stories in John chapter 21. Jesus walked on the earth for 40 days after his resurrection. How many of those days did he spend with his disciples? He clearly had a lot of things that he wanted to be doing. What, did he, what was he focused on in those last days? What did he need them to know? Regardless, we come to this story in chapter 21 and the story of the miraculous catch of fish. The disciples are out fishing. They're back plying their trade Back to something they were familiar with. Had they, had they given up? Even after they had seen Jesus risen from the dead, here they are back out in a boat. Maybe, maybe they just didn't know what to do. 
So they did what they knew. But they're out on the lake and they catch nothing. And Jesus appears on shore, but they don't recognize him. Perhaps because of the distance. Perhaps because he was maybe concealing himself. Mary, too, hadn't recognized him at the graveside. The travelers on the road didn't recognize him. We have these weird stories about people not recognizing Jesus when he was resurrected for some reason. Why did they not see? And so he calls out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? And they say, no. And he tells them to cast their nets on the other side of the boat and they will catch fish. Again, they don't know it's Jesus. It's just some guy yelling to them from the shore. But already here we see the power of Jesus' presence in their lives. These are professional fishermen. They know what they're doing. What a waste of time to haul the nets all the way and then just cast them the other way. We've got to clean them again. We've got to do all the thing again. But now there's humility in their hearts. Trust. Faith. And for some reason... They choose to submit and listen to this stranger. And when they do, they catch so many fish, they couldn't even haul in the net. And in that moment, they know it's Jesus. And John cries out, it's the Lord. And Peter jumps out of the boat. And swims to shore, leaving the other disciples to haul in this huge net of fish by themselves. Thanks, Peter. And they get to the shore and Jesus already, it's just such a beautiful scene. Jesus already has a little fire going. And there's some fish cooking over the fire. And they sit with their Lord, their master, their teacher, their friend. And they have breakfast together. It's a beautiful story, so full of love and faith and gentleness. And then Jesus takes Peter and he speaks with him. And he shows us the true power and meaning of the gospel. John 21, verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. Because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. 
Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Follow me. It's the same words that Jesus spoke to them when he called them the first time. Years before. And here at the end. After everything they've been through, everything they've seen, everything they've experienced, the command is still exactly the same. Just follow me. This is the story of the reinstatement of Peter. You might even have that little title in your Bibles above this section. Of Jesus forgiving Peter and calling him back. It was just a few days before this. That they were together in that upper room at the last supper. When Jesus washed their feet. When he took that posture of a servant before his followers, breaking down everything they understood, a leader and a rabbi and a Messiah and a God to be. And at that time, Peter was overcome. He could not handle what was happening. No, you shall never wash my feet. Well then, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And when the conversation turns to the things to come and Jesus talks about what is going to happen to him on that night, Peter tries again to show Jesus just how passionate he is, how good he is. Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. I would die for you, he says. And yet just a few hours later, there he stands in the courtyard outside the court where Jesus is being tried, huddled by the fire with the other people there. They recognize him and they question him. And there this man who had proclaimed so boldly, A couple hours ago that he would die for Jesus, denied three times even knowing who Jesus was. What would Peter have felt when that rooster crowed? What kind of devastation would he have experienced in that moment? Crushing shame. Guilt, humiliation. I'll bet that's part of the reason they were fishing. Peter's own failure leading them away from what God was putting before them. He was a leader. And when the leader is lost, it can lead everyone astray. I mean, Peter in that moment had to be feeling unworthy. 
Even after seeing Jesus alive, being in that room with the other disciples, seeing Thomas and his response, he is filled with joy and awe and worship, but at the same time, he still had to be feeling this crushing weight of his failure. He can't celebrate the way these, uh, the others are because He's betrayed Jesus as fully as Judas ever did. And where does that leave him? What is there for him? How can he be a part of this new kingdom, this new life, if this is what he's done? How can he share in this spirit that Jesus had told him about? What was he supposed to do now? Where was he supposed to go? After everything he had seen and experienced, could he just go back to normal life? But he was unworthy to do anything else. And in the depths of that despair, Jesus comes to him and restores him. Simon Son of John, using his birth name, not the name Jesus had given him. Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And you can hear the pleading in his voice, begging for forgiveness, wishing he could undo what he had done, wanting another chance. Feed my lambs. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And maybe he starts to feel hope. Maybe I can be forgiven. Take care of my sheep. And the third time, Jesus asks him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter's hurt. Why is he doing this? Why won't he believe me? And he pushes harder. Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. Three times. One for each denial. One for each time Peter betrayed Jesus. Three times Jesus invites him back, invites him to speak truth that Peter can know that he is forgiven. The story is massive because it reveals something about our hearts, something profound about how we process forgiveness. One of the problems that we have is really accepting and embracing what Jesus is offering to us. We celebrated Easter weekend just last week and it's an amazing time, but so easily as believers we can just stay there. 
And that sounds weird, but when Jesus forgives us, when he rose from the dead, he didn't do it just to leave us where we are. When we're forgiven, when we are freed, when we are given new life, we aren't meant to just say, golly, thanks. We are, we are, and then stay in that same place, still kind of feeling unworthy. And just going back to what we know, what we're familiar with, climbing back into the fishing boat. We have to move forward. The gospel is not just about God forgiving us. It's about us accepting it. Embracing it. Living in the gospel. And that's what Peter is invited into. Right here. That's what Jesus is doing. He sees that his disciple has just fallen back into things that were familiar, old things. Not even bad things. There's nothing wrong with fishing. But it wasn't the new life that Jesus was calling him into. It was Peter hiding. And so even though Jesus had forgiven him, he needed Peter to say it. And hear it and call him forward. Because look at how Jesus responds to Peter's passionate declarations of faith and love. Not, you're forgiven. Not, don't do it again. He calls him to action. Feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. And finally, follow me. Jesus doesn't just forgive us so that we can just be fine. He wants us to move forward. The gospel is action. It's about embracing the new and abundant life that he is putting before you. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. We can't work hard enough to be worthy of it. But because he said it is finished, we have to just accept it. Hebrews chapter 4, Therefore, since we have such a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence. Not because of who we are, but because of who Jesus is. God is calling you forward, offering you forgiveness because of His Son. And if we accept it, we have to accept it. If you gave someone a gift and, or someone gave you a gift and you didn't open it, you just put it in a nice place and showed people, look at the nice gift they gave me. What is it? Oh, I don't know. I don't want to open it. 
It's just nice to look at. We dishonor the person that gives us the gift. You need to open it. Embrace it. Use it. Enjoy it. That is how we show gratitude. That is how we embrace what God is offering to us. He has said you are forgiven and He has new life for you and you do Him no honor still sitting in the same place and thinking you're not worthy. You're not. You never were. But Jesus is. And He died for you. So what is this new life that God is calling you into? Peter's call was to teaching and leadership. But that won't be the same for everyone. Each of us is on our own journey. We travel together. We are the church together. But we are one body with different parts, different gifts, different roles. And immediately, Peter is distracted by this other disciple. What about him? And we do the same. God calls us out, calls us forward, invites us into new life, to mission and purpose. And all we can do is look around at what other people are doing and wish we were doing that. Jesus just says to Peter, I love it. He just says, mind your own business. You follow me. We each have to choose to follow. And we follow together. We hold each other accountable. We care for each other. We learn and we grow together. We are the church. One body sharing in this journey. But at the same time, Time, your call is unique to you. And the life and the mission that Jesus is inviting you into is yours. We walk together, but we each have to choose to follow ourselves. God has no grandchildren and Jesus has no cousins. We, are, we don't get into the kingdom by association. Your parents' faith, your friends' faith, won't save you. They're on their own journey too. So what is God calling you into? If you have accepted His gift of life and forgiveness, if you have confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you are saved. So now what? Easter weekend is everything, and it's just the beginning, because the call that Jesus laid at his followers' feet at the beginning to just follow me has never changed. He has never changed. He is still exactly the same yesterday, today, and forever. For everything Jesus has done for us, for everything He means, for everything the gospel is and does and changes, He is still just inviting you to follow Him. Each day, one step at a time, whatever He puts in front of you, whatever He leads you into individually, and then together. Are we ready? Let's pray together.
Father God, we thank you for this beautiful story. We thank you for the boldness of Peter and the things that we can see in his heart and his life that are so deeply a part of us as well. The ways that we struggle and fail and don't understand and the incredible grace and patience of Jesus to continue to invite him further. To show him more clearly who he is. Jesus, we want to follow you. Jesus, we want to embrace your forgiveness. Jesus, we want to accept, truly accept what you have done for us and approach the throne of grace with confidence because of who you are. God, the life you're inviting us into is more wonderful than we can imagine and you have things for us to do and experience there. God, help us to step forward into it. We don't want to be standing still. We want to follow. Jesus, we thank you for your grace, for your patience, for your love. Help us to live in it and share it. In Jesus' name, amen.